Why was Muhammad Ali so great? And what does that have to do with the environment? I'm going to get to the environment part in a second. I've been talking to a bunch of people lately about why, well, everyone agrees that Muhammad Ali was one of the great figures of the 20th century, not just as an athlete, but as a major cultural figure, a major world figure. So why was that? I've been asking a bunch of people. I'll let you think for yourself for a second. I think people my age and younger don't really know. I think there's a lot of reasons. First of all, an Olympic gold medalist, greatest heavyweight boxer many consider of all time. He was extraordinary with words. He was in a float like a butterfly, sting like a bee. But I think there was something that set him apart that a lot of people that I talk to these days, they don't even know about. Let's see, he won the gold medal. He was heavyweight champion. The big thing that I want to get at is that in the 1970, I think it was, or in the late 60s, he was drafted to fight in the Vietnam War. At this time, he was becoming religious. He had changed his name to Muhammad Ali. He refused to accept being drafted and became a conscientious objector. The U.S. government didn't accept this and prosecuted him and deprived him in his late 20s, in the prime of his boxing career, what would have been the prime of his boxing career. They stripped him of his boxing license and took away his passport, meaning that he couldn't practice his craft. Keep in mind that this, I think now looking back at Vietnam, people think of it as a time there were lots of protests and protesting against the war and things like that. At the time, there was Korea, which wasn't such a, uh, it wasn't like World War II, but I think a lot of people associated the U.S. government and U.S. military with defeating Hitler. And there were not a lot of people against Vietnam. He famously said, no Viet Cong ever called me, uh, and I can't say the word that he said. Uh, language has changed, but it was the N-word. He spoke against Vietnam. He got, could not do anything, became poor, like ran out of money, had to go around speaking, but lived by his values. By the way, I believe that he was the first public figure, the first well-known person to speak out against Vietnam. After he did, then, for example, Martin Luther King did. Martin Luther King was opposed to Vietnam for a while, but he had a cozy relationship with the Johnson administration, so didn't speak out. I believe that if you lead Martin Luther King, you are a leader. But everyone, I mean, there were people against Vietnam to some degree, but I think the nation was mostly for it at this stage. And he was one of the major figures, and I think the first major figure to speak out publicly and take a stand meaningfully against Vietnam. And I believe that had he continued to fight in this time, I think he would have had more wins in his win-loss record, but I think he would not have become the figure that he, was, that he became. The rumble in the jungle, the thrill in Manila, that stuff came after this, after he was allowed to fight again. Oh, by the way, his, the conviction was overturned with one justice recusing by an eight-to-nothing decision by the Supreme Court. It was on a technicality, but I think these guys can, they could do what they wanted. And I think that had he just merely been a great boxer with great vocal, you know, the, the way he had with words, I don't think he would have been quite the historical figure that he was. There's, I, I found a quote. The New York Times said, quoting the New York Times, Ali's actions changed my standard of what constituted an athlete's greatness. Possessing a killer jump shot or the ability to stop on a dime was no longer enough. What were you doing for the liberation of your people? What were you doing to help your country live up to the covenant of its founding principles? I believe it's safe to say that he changed what it meant to be a great athlete, to be a public figure. I think he just completely changed the book on these things. Kareem Abdul-Jabbar said, 
I remember the teachers at my high school didn't like Ali because he was so anti-establishment and he kind of thumbed his nose at authority and got away with it. The fact that he was proud to be a black man and he had so much talent made some people think he was dangerous. But for those reasons, I enjoyed him. So this is stuff outside of the boxing ring. And why do I mention this? What does this have to do with the environment? I want to point out Ali's legacy is going to go, is going to last for centuries, not because of his boxing. I mean, because of his boxing, but that was just the entry point. It was what he did, what the New York Times just wrote about. Years ago, when I decided to act on the environment, first I started to act on my own, and I realized that I really enjoyed what I thought was going to be deprivation and sacrifice. I thought I was really not going to like going without packaged food. Turns out I loved it. It was cheaper, more accessible for people who are you know, in food deserts or who have, uh, don't have time to cook. It's cheaper and more accessible. And it's more delicious. And then when I gave myself the challenge to avoid flying for a year, a couple months into it, I decided to go for longer. Then when Trump got elected, I anticipated that he was not going to lead the country in a direction that I would have taken the country in, environmentally speaking. And that happened. I decided I want to take a leadership role. I looked around and I said, what can I do for the environment? It was not enough, I figured, for me to do my own personal stuff. Personal leadership, personal action is great in my opinion, but billions of people would have to change their behavior to get us out of the mess that it looks like we're heading into. And I didn't have time to talk to seven plus billion people, not in 10 years, the timeline that it seems that we have left. So I wanted to take a leadership role. I looked around, should I run for government? But the people I knew, my role models for leadership who got a lot done, Gandhi, Mandela, King, they didn't start from inside government. They eventually got support to influence government and would take on government roles, a couple of them. But they themselves did not start within government. So I thought running for office didn't seem the right thing to do. I looked at organizations like Greenpeace, NRDC, and EDF, and they were doing stuff that I found important, but I thought they were doing what they were doing effectively. I couldn't add that much value to it, but no one was leading. No one was sharing the message that I had found that acting on my environmental values improved my life. It's something I wish, once I started, I wish I'd done it earlier. There was a joy and connection and community that I didn't hear anybody sharing. And I still don't hear anybody share. Even Greta talks about panic. You know, the house is on fire. We should panic. But panic doesn't sound particularly fun. That's what you, you do when you don't know what to do. I felt what was missing was leadership in the style of Mandela, a Mandela of the environment. And I thought this was too much gumption for me to say at the time, and I still feel kind of funny saying it, but if I believed that the number one thing that was missing was to have a Mandela of the environment, and I was looking for something to do, it made sense for me to try to become the Mandela of the environment. Now, for me to say, to have the gumption to say, I want to take on, I want to follow in the, to follow in the footsteps and perhaps play a role like Mandela, that seemed like a lot. But that's what I've been doing for the past several years. The podcast was to influence people. And later I realized to influence more than people. Individual action is great, but I don't have time to talk to 7 billion plus people. So I've worked on ways to influence large numbers of people. And so I have a strategy to do that by reaching more and more influential people. On the public side, I always say Oprah, LeBron, Serena, Madonna, Elon, Sergey, Larry, people like that. And on the private, not public facing side, to work with corporations, decision makers of large corporations like you know, if I can get anyone in the world to, to have the reaction that many of my podcast guests have to say, I wish I'd done this before. I'm really glad to have acted on my environmental values. I want to share it with others. Not deprivation, sacrifice, coercion, 
obligation, but joy, community, connection, wishing they'd done it before. If I could get anyone to have that transition, the CEO of Exxon comes to mind. So I want to influence, I want to have as guests, Oprah, LeBron, Serena, and as consulting clients, the heads of Exxon and Chevron and McDonald's, other big polluters, Starbucks and so forth. And after a while, I realized, you know, there's a big value to, say it's Oprah, say it's LeBron, who be, who's on my podcast, or we do a primetime special together. It seems to me a huge opportunity for them to create a legacy. And for a long time, I thought, I don't think I'm going to catch up with Oprah anytime soon in being known to that number of people. I would guess something like half a billion people, maybe more, would recognize Oprah and know her by name. So if she were to act on her, if she were to share her environmental values, as happens on my podcast, and share them and act on them and then share the results of those actions, I think that would influence a lot of people. A lot of people would say, if she's doing it, I can do it. It's not just me. Also, if people don't do this, if these well-known figures don't do this, then it leaves, these, they, set, they set culture. And if Sergey and Larry, as a headline said, top three executives at Google have eight airplanes, that was 10 years ago, and apparently they have more airplanes now. That sets a tone that success in this country means buying a jet. Yeah, sure, I'll go without straws for a bit, but success means a jet. I want a jet. I want a big mansion. And so if people of that stature don't change, I think we keep the tone. We might get compliance on little things, but people still want consumption, and they don't mind if they pollute, and I want to change that. Oh, and by the way, for whatever cultural value puts having jets and big mansions up so high, I think there's a pretty good chance when that changes, I think people will be glad. I think future generations or even current generations a few years from now will look back. Like we look back at smoking in bars and restaurants where, where, where kids were. I think we'll look back and future generations will look back and say, what were we thinking with all those private jets? What kind of nonsense was that? What about caring for other people? I think that what we replace the jets with empathy, compassion, things like that, I think we'll be glad we did it. However much it looks like, oh my God, you want people to get rid of the signs of success? I don't think we're going to think of it that way afterward. So I thought there's a big advantage to, say, Oprah or LeBron to be a guest, to be the first person to act substantially on their environmental values. They could really set an environmental legacy that would last not just generations, maybe centuries, maybe a lot longer. I've talked about this in other podcast episodes. I've been talking about this a lot to people because I really think there's a huge advantage. I think that if you're a public figure who could afford to keep themselves private, I think that they probably want a legacy. I'm not sure. You have to go person by person. But lately I've been thinking about Dr. King, Mandela, Gandhi. At the beginning, these were organizers. Leadership, a big part of leadership is organization, grunt work, getting people not to take the bus in 100-degree, humid Montgomery, Alabama weather. No one knew Dr. King was going to become a Nobel Peace Prize winner, that the civil rights acts of the 60s were going to happen. He was just some grunt brought in to try to help people not take the bus. And there are multiple months per year when the temperature gets up to 100, over 100 degrees in Montgomery. And so does it make sense for Oprah to become a Mandela, 27 years in prison? A lot of organization work on his part too. Is Oprah, LeBron, Serena, Madonna, are they going to become the Mandela of the environment. I'm not sure if that's what they want to do. And then it hit me. An Ali of the environment. The environment I think people care about more than people cared about at the time, Vietnam. 
I mean, Vietnam was life or death for the, for the young men who were drafted. And it was a big freedom issue. But this is a global issue for the entire planet. Also life and death, not as immediate, not with gunfights, but also what's asked for is not losing your boxing license, losing your ability to do what you're best at at the prime of your career. Say it was LeBron. Say LeBron said, when someone's a guest on my podcast, I don't know what their environmental values are until they share them, which I love hearing what they are. And I don't know what, what personal challenge they're going to take on until they do it. They, I do my best to have them come up with it on their own. Because when they come up with their val- when they share their values, I think most people are really happy to share them. Before they share them, a lot of people are like, oh, I don't know. I don't want to share it. I don't know much about that stuff. I think they're protecting themselves because everyone's been told, oh, you're not doing enough or Yo, you're just doing straws. You know, what you really have to do is whatever. And so people get called hypocritical or you know, not doing enough or ignorant or something like that. And I think people protect themselves. But once they actually do share it, because I try to support them and they share something that's really meaningful to them, and they, they really like what they share. Fishing with their grandfather, being out on the ocean as now they see plastic there, swimming with the dolphins, the apple tree down at the end of the block that got paved over to make a, a gas station. You know, when people share that, I think they recognize their story or the, what motivates them may be unique to them. It might be small, but everyone's got something like that. And however small it is, it represents what's going on. And then when they share something that they act on, I think that people, they get that people are going to support them on doing what they're doing. Even It may not be big, it may not be far-reaching, but it's personal, it's meaningful. And the, so people support them. No one's ever said to me, what people are doing on your podcast is worthless. They might say it's not that much. And Josh, maybe the podcast isn't going to get enough done in time. But the people on it, I don't think that they say that's not worth hearing. But let's say LeBron came on and he said he really wanted to do something big. If LeBron chose not to fly for a year, I'm not saying he would pick this. But if he did something, that's not close to the scale of what happened to Muhammad Ali. He could still play in home games. He wouldn't be able to do the away games, but he would be very well known for taking a stand on the environment and acting himself. Or Leonardo DiCaprio, who keeps telling people not to pollute, and he himself is flying all over the place, and everybody knows it. He's undermining his own legacy. If he were to choose to say, you know what, for a year I'm not going to fly, or, for a year, or if he did something on par with Ali, I think he's got the chance to get a legacy like Ali's because everyone else would fall in line behind him or whoever goes first. And I think that's the opportunity here is I would still be the Mandela of the environment, the instigator doing the grunt work, the organizational work behind in the background. Or in the case of Ali, a big influence on him was Malcolm X. So maybe I'd be like a Malcolm X of the environment, someone who organizes, someone who gets things going because I'm not... As big, my name isn't as recognized yet as Ali's, Oprah's, or LeBron's. But that's the opportunity. That's what's waiting. Because there's no one doing it. A little while ago, Coldplay, the band, got some global press, media coverage, for choosing not to tour to promote their latest album. Jane Fonda got recognition for saying she's not going to buy any more clothes or not buy any more coats. People are ready to hear this. And I think if it's done sincerely, and Ali did it sincerely, There was no question that when he chose not to, when he got prosecuted for not accepting the draft, it was devastating to his career. But he had to do what he felt was right. 
And he did what he felt was right. And everybody knew it. And that, I believe, catapulted him from being a great, great athlete to being one of the great human cultural figures of the 20th century and more. And that has become what I want to do. I want to become, crazy for me to say it, the Mandela of the environment, the Malcolm X of the environment, and to help someone else become the Ali of the environment. Not nearly the sacrifice that Ali would make, but on a much bigger issue. As big as Vietnam was, I believe the global environment, the climate, deforestation, extinctions, you know, there's a whole list of the pollution, plastic in the ocean. I think there's a big opportunity here. I guess I should mention, if you know a great figure, put them in touch with me. They don't have to have environmental knowledge or experience. I know from hundreds of people walking them through this process successfully how to make them look and behave authentically and genuinely, making a difference so others can follow. This is an opportunity for them to be the Ali of the environment.